with Jenny Winter. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, hello to you, you beautiful little wonder nugget of awesomeness. I hope you needed to hear that. I did. I took it as the personal compliment from myself. Uh, So welcome to the podcast. Now we are churning this one out a little bit quickly because I don't want you to miss out on the wonderful, amazing power rocket of fun that is Bev Killick. Uh, She's incredible. And if you are listening to this from Melbourne, if you're listening to this from Melbourne, yeah, I'm listening to this from Melbourne. Uh, If you are in Melbourne and you're listening to this, you really need to get your butt along and see Bev in the flesh at Melbourne International Comedy Festival. So if you're not in Melbourne, if you're not listening to this from Melbourne, then as you were, just pretend it didn't download yet and then listen to it in two weeks when it would have come out. Uh, Bev is freaking hilarious. The first time I met her, I don't know if she even remembers this actually, and we got so sidetracked on other things, I didn't even ask her. I met her in a show that she was performing called Life After Dick. And uh, I was not even doing comedy yet, but I went along and I was selling tickets on the door. So I was doing door for them. A uh, little side note, I remember Paul from Neighbours came in to see the show and I offered him a comp and I, I didn't want to say, oh my gosh, I've been following your evil shenanigans for the last two decades. Uh, I was shy, I just went, yep, there's your ticket. Um, but anyway, she was in this show called Life After Dick and I just remember at the uh, doorway, I think there was like a guy dressed up in a massive inflatable penis. So that basically sets the tone for this uh, interview. Uh, it's such a good chat honestly hang in there because it is hilarious she is hilarious things are going to happen in this episode that i don't know if you're ready for okay and i'm talking physically and emotionally that's all going to make sense when you listen to the episode so without further ado let's get into it whether you're from melbourne or not this is bev killick so welcome to the show bev thanks for having me jenny We've been trying to set this up for a while, haven't we? <laughs> I know. It's like the world's worst date that's just taken a million years to happen. Oh, my goodness. How are you going? It's been a nutty, nutty year. How are you coping? I I am coping most days. But then I'll just have a day where I'm like, oh, my God, I've got so much to do um, on top of, you know, being a mum and, you know, a friend, and then I've renovated my house. And then the comedy festival is is on the doorstep. So I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> it's amazing, though, to just be kind of back to this weird reality and that sure comedy festival's happening again. Yeah. How, how um, what was I going to say? Well, first of all, I want to find out, I realise we've known each other for a long time. I don't even know how you started in comedy. Like, I know you started right. when you were, like, had a young child. Um, can you just tell us about, yeah, how did this, how did this sure. all begin? Well, I'd always been in the arts, performing arts in some way, and clowning was something that I'd studied and Buffon and um, Commedia dell'arte, you know, all of the above I'd studied. 
and I was uh, street, wow. yeah, street performer at one stage and I lived in this crazy house that I'd sort of put together when I first divorced and it was just chock full of clowns and balloon artists and you name it. And <laughs> and so I so it was it was just this really great fun atmosphere. Anyway, when when I divorced, I I decided to go and check out SB Comedy, where my then husband was going to drink on Sundays, and um, so I went to check out you know what was so wonderful about this Sunday that he had to have, and it was a, it was a comedy afternoon. So it became my church. I, I just, every Sunday I was at SB Comedy and I didn't even think about me being a stand-up. And wow, so you were going along just to watch? Just to watch. Wow. And it just became my thing and I did it on my own. I went on my own. Um, and then a friend of mine um, and I, Felix, who's now my child's godfather, we had a pact that one of us, as a dare, had to get up and do a five-minute spot at the SB. So he's an actor poet and I'm a street performer over here sort of thing. And I went, you're on. Well, I was the one that got up and did the five minutes, but he didn't. Whoa, so that's how it wow. started. Do you still hold that over to him now? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> But he's been so supportive of my career. So he's, he's um, yeah, he's he's off scot-free with that one. But then I then I sort of went, you know what, I don't want this to take years and years. So I discovered this course that you could do um, that was a year long and it's, it was called, what was it called? Oh, uh, a play on words with, uh, oh, Humiversity it was called. Oh wow, I, nice. Yeah. So what happened was I was I was working in hospitality, which you have to do when you're a street, and there was this god awful crowd in and I was the only one left on the floor and it was like five star service and no one was helping me. The bosses weren't helping me. So I just uh went to the change room, took off my high heels, put my runners on and left. I left <laughs> a full restaurant with them. <laughs> To have to carry out, carry on without me, and I got on a, tra- a tram. I was exhilarated, and there was a, a newspaper because people used to just leave newspapers for each other back then. Um, and there was an ad, and it said, "So, do you want to be a stand-up comedian?" And I just answered the question, "Yeah, I do." Oh. So when I got home, I rang the number and um, and joined like the next week. Oh, my God. This all sounds just so, um, like, as you're saying it, I can imagine your biopic, like your your life in film. It's so cinematic, like living in this crazy yeah. clown house. And then. <laughs> I know, right. And my Abel, my son, who, you know, saw me through all those tough times um, as a comedian, he finds it very difficult to explain to friends that he meets just what his life was like with this mad mother and these crazy friends um but yeah that and so so that's how it started and yeah as a single mum I went that's what I'm gonna do so I gave up all other jobs that's it 
That is phenomenal. What gave you the guts to do that? Because I just feel like, you know, I've been a single mum and like, while I was already, you know, semi-established by that point, but um, I mean, the demands on you physically, like emotionally, like all of it, let alone the criticism that you cop and, you know, that sort of that implicit stuff. How, what gave you that drive to just go, fuck it, I'm just going to do my thing? Because I didn't want it to take me 10 years. I knew I wanted to do it now. I was 30, how old, 29, and I just went, no, I was 30, and I just went, right, I, I, I don't want to be Joan Rivers at 45 or whatever old she was. I need, I need this now. <laughs> and once I'd had that taste, you know what it's like when you first get up? Yeah. And then I was doing everything at once. I was getting up at like 5 o'clock in the morning and making sandwiches for one caterer. I was ju- it was just nuts. And then having to find a babysitter, I'd have to, you know, barter because I'm a big, big on bartering. And it was just too much of a juggle. And then I thought, you know what, I can do this on a shoestring. I've got the nouse. So wow. I just went, stayed on a sole parent benefit and that's all the money I had. Wow. So I would barter for babysitters if I had a gig. Um, I had a veggie plot around the corner. Um, I would just barter. I, I uh, my garage at the time, lock up garage. I hide out to my next door neighbour. Um, I had people stay. This is before Airbnb, and I charge them. <laughs> wow, you're a hustler. Oh, That's I amazing. Am, and I still am. I'm chronic. I know. Well. You blow me away. No, but it's th- that's incredible. And I think there's something about being in a situation where there is no alternative. I mean, your alternative really was don't do it or if you're going to do it, that's how you, that's right. you're just going to make this shit happen. There's no chance to dick around with it. And I love sharing all that with, with women um, that are coming yep. in now that have children because in a way I'm testament to that, yes, you can do it, and this was 22 years ago, Jenny, you know, amazing. where people went so woke to the bartering and the sharing and the, and just women being in comedy in general, let alone being a mum in comedy. Yeah. A lot of women, yeah. like Denise Scott, I read her book, All That Happened at 42. And yeah. she waited. She was in a group called the Natural Normans and they were invited to go to Edinburgh. She said no because her kids were too little and she just couldn't do it. That was, yeah. That was you know, that's totally up to her. But So she waited until they were old enough. Yeah. Whereas now it would be a totally different story because it's not entirely yeah. up to us to raise our children, you know. Yes, that's very, very true. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, it, it does depend. I know for me certainly, like, I've always thought because my mum died when I was quite young. Yeah. For me, waiting was never an option just because I was like, well, I don't know that I'm going to get to that age. Not to be morbid, but just like sure. I'd realised that you'd, there's no guarantees. You don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. That's right. Um, can, I, and, um, can I ask that, you, did you – oh, sorry, uh, keep going. Sorry, there you go. I've forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> I, was <anyway>. just, <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, did you cop much flack or criticism from anybody? At that time? Oh, God, yeah. But I'm just one of the – I've just got such a strong willpower, which I think is half of it in this game. I just don't don't care. I yeah. don't care for their judgment. 
And there was something inside yeah. me that knew that it was going to be okay eventually and to just keep going somehow. Yeah. Um, and when I, did you, I met Tony, did you have any, when I met Tony, he no, said exactly the same thing. It's going to be okay. Just go around and they will come to you eventually. I wasn't part of the inner sanctum back then. I was very much on the outer, on the edge of things. I was quite rude when I started, Jenny. I mean, I know I'm a bit rude Do now. you mean on stage on or stage. off stage? <laughs> and I was a total party animal. Right, yep, Even yep. with a child. So I used to get, it was sort of frowned upon. I, you're not supposed to do that. But I was always under the adage that your children need to know who you are. It's better for them. And you don't want to mm. resent them because that's not good. So just bring them yeah. on for the journey. And I'm so glad I did it because my son is an artist himself. He's been taught just through me to always think outside the square. And he does the same yep. thing. He barters, he shares, he, you know, finds a way, um, doesn't take no for an answer. You know what I mean? Um, That's amazing. Yeah, if he needs to eat, he'll go and work on a farm. Yeah. So Just, yeah, do what needs to be done. That's right. So my daughter's growing up in a different age, of course, um, and I'm earning money from comedy now so I don't have to be such a barter up. But I, I can remember going up to this health food shop and because I've kind of got those skills all around um, vitamins and um, health, natural health. I know it doesn't sound like it as a smoker um, and a wine drinker, <laughs> but I was. I was really We're all complicated people. Because um, I, I was a full-blown hippie at one stage. Anyway, so I went to this health food shop and said, I'd like to work for you, but you don't have to pay me. And they said, what do you mean? I said, "Just I just want a box of food. And so that's what wow. I did to get along, to get food. So we that's ate very amazing. healthily because my son had loads of allergies. That's amazing. So I, that's where I went to get my food. So Yeah, wow. And people would drop um, veggies to me. They'd, um, you know, I'd, I'd do a little gig for them or a voiceover job or whatever for friends and they'd um, they'd fill my fridge. Oh my god! So I just got on with it. That's incredible. Or you know, it's you know, Um, it was really great when you get to the gig and there was a meal involved. It was like yes, (laughs) to save myself ten bucks. (laughs) Oh my god, I do. I remember when my I started doing comedy, and the first gig I ever got was doing an improv night actually, and that was our payment was a meal and two beers, and I was like, oh my god, I've arrived. I just couldn't believe how wonderful it was. I know. And everyone thinks you're, you're, you know, you're a bit mad. But when you've done it tough, it's like, you, but I still love getting to the hotel, right, and checking yep. in and putting my makeup away, checking out what I can knock off for free. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I take the pens, the paper. I take everything. And during the TP crisis, I took the toilet rolls. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I will never change, Jenny, and it doesn't matter how much I earn. I've, it's just ingrained in me that yeah, you never know yeah. when times could be tough again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, my but goodness me. it really me. makes you appreciate um, when you have, you know, had to struggle when the gig is easy. Yes. You know, I was self-managing um, for the first three years, but I got management after three years. That's quick. I know, right? 
but I, everything was quick for me. So that's where I got a few noses out of joint, I think, where it was like, hold right. on, I've been banging at this for six or so years. Why should you be headlining the comedy store? Yeah, but they don't right. know my history. So I just shut up and thought, that's that's not my problem. You're, you you not getting in anywhere as fast as you want to is not, it's nothing to do with me. No, that's right. And I was all, yeah, I've been a- to the therapist, you know, after my divorce and there was a lot of self-sabotage hanging around and also yeah. a fear of um, success uh, and a fear of having money. Um, wow. Because in your brain somewhere, it's like, oh, that's not for me. That's for them. I'm just a yes. I'm just Beverly Johnson from Townsville. You know what I mean? I'm just a little old Bev. <laughs> I have that thought all the time. I'm like, I'm Beverly Johnson from court- Townsville. In- I know. <laughs> no, I'm Beverly Johnson from Townsville. <laughs> that's, that's the name of my book. I'm Beverly Johnson from Townsville. Uh, my, my friend, I know what you mean, though. My it's friend true. Diana Newen, last night, she, she's got a lot of uh, jokes about her lady parts. And she's decided um, to be friends with her vulva. So she's named her Bev. With, oh. yeah, with two Vs. So it's Bev. <laughs> so her vulva is now called Bev. Oh my God. Are you, that's like a, a really high I'm, honor. I'm tearing up. <laughs> oh my God. Amazing. I hope this starts a movement. I hope yeah. that, yeah, that would be amazing. Just call it something. Oh In my God. Out, we, call, we had to come up with names for our boobs. So mine was, uh, the left was Starsky and the right was Hutch. this is great because i wanted to ask you about busting out because fortuitously i was this morning um i had my very first mammogram yes and uh yes and i thought of you bev oh yeah as i was doing that going gosh to manipulate they're very yeah malleable aren't they They the boobs um so bust so for those people who don't know can you just tell us a bit about busting (laughs) out and i'm so curious how how that came about well we we got it down to three lines, I think. It was tit tricks, tit skits, and tit bits. That was our way of describing <laughs> it. So the trick part Very is good. where we, um, we you know, use our fingers and get right in there because it is. I mean, I hope you're touching yours at home. You can, you can wiggle them around <laughs> and you can put your fingers in and you can make shapes. So we'd have, um, like, the baby, you know, and you put your fingers on the side of you of your nipple and you squeeze in and then push up, right? So we go, wah, wah, and the baby's mouth, <laughs> it would look like a baby's mouth. So that's just an example. <laughs> so we did, did, this was a comedy show, right? This was like a puppetry of the penis kind totally, of. Yeah. It Basically all my highways met um, and and landed on my doorstep. Um, the I'd been doing the support out for puppetry of the penis for quite some time. So one of the producers of that loved my stand-up. And then Emma Powell had um, written a show called Decupetry. So that was sitting over there. I went and saw the show and just went, oh, my God, this is for me. Um, <laughs> and also I'm an exhibitionist and a nudist, so I don't mind yep. showing my body. And I'm a feminist. So it was just like, what? Um, so the 
so I was employed as the stand-up comedy support because they hadn't written a full show yet. And then Louise, right. bless her, we've become very good friends, she broke her leg in two places um, about three weeks before the very first comedy festival show, um, the big debut, you know, and it just didn't heal. So I had to step in. So I I continued with the show as a writer as well. They brought me in as a writer. Um, so mm. Emma and I just, you know, got this show up and Louise was in rehearsal hoping that she might come good. So I basically learnt Louise's part, but I'd written it at some of it as well. So I knew the show. Wow. Well, yeah, two weeks out, there's no way Louise was doing it. So that's how we started. And then we got really good reviews and the director decided that he wanted to keep me in the show, which was unfortunate for Louise, but I couldn't say no um, because I did have the dancing ability and the and the clowning ability and the singing aspect that um, that Lou didn't have quite so much. So she was she was absolutely fine about me doing that, and that's how busting out began. That's incredible. And again, though, your life is so cinematic. It's I like know, this Jenny. idea you're wait, know, waiting in the wings. <laughs> There's always some twist in the story. That is amazing. Can you teach me one more boob trick? Okay. What's another boob trick? Um, The vagina is really good fun. Hold on. I'm just going to pull my top up. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I will too. It's hard to do. I was doing the other one on the top of my shirt. It doesn't quite work the same. Okay. So, And I really hope everyone listening to this is going to take their top off so So that we've got a network of people. I haven't done the show for a while. It's making a comeback this year actually in Brisbane. Oh, oh, fantastic. So for this one, right? Just grab, pinch with your thumb and your index finger the very, very mm-hmm. top of your areola. So where okay, where that areola skin meets, yeah? Yep. And just pull it out a little, yeah? Okay. Now with your yep. other index finger down the bottom of the areola, yep. push in. Yep. Yep. And then with your the fingers next to those fingers, yep. pinch. Down the bottom. Until you start getting a bit of some flaps. <laughs> so you That happened a lot finger, faster than I thought it would. Those yep. thumb and the middle finger, you push in and then yep. up and out. And with the other finger up the top, yeah? Yeah. And then pull that right out. And the okay. becomes the clitoris. And down the bottom, you can really push that finger in to get more flap. Yeah, so the index finger is your hole. It's your hole. Got it? And then you squeeze up and down, up and down, motion, and you can do pelvic floor exercises. Oh my god! I I am really hoping that women listening to this are doing that. Because if you have not, oh my God, guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't actually done that, please rewind the episode. Please go back and do it because that is so excellent. Most wonderful thing, right? (laughs) This used to be Mm. on the big screen. Oh my God. And and every now and then I'd have a a stray nipple hair. (laughs) And so the nipple hair would be about a metre freaking long. 
on the screen. <laughs> so oh I go, oh, I forgot to pluck, right? And then Emma would come on and pluck it. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Oh, it was ridiculous. This is amazing. And then we did, and we did <laughs> shadow puppets as well. To the point where we came up with some that were accidental. We were rehearsing. We were trying to get the map of Australia, right, using our breasts <laughs> and body. And while Emma was laying down on her back, right, and I was just on top of her um, waiting with my arms on my, on my waist, just sort of talking to the director. And... I looked at the screen and went, oh, my God, it's a Batman signal. <laughs> and we all just went, far out. It is. So, that, so that's how we discovered Batman. This is By amazing. Accident. Like- so then we, for, the, for the actual show, we'd have the Batman, Batman, and I'd just go, brump, in the middle. <laughs> And it was hilarious. Oh, my God. And people could see that Have we you... were doing it live. There was no, you know, it, it was live. Yeah, there's no special effects or Nothing. anything. It's just all. Can I ask you, did you always have this ballsiness, like, ever since you were young? Like, you, no. did you? Because, I mean, that takes a lot of guts. What? Yeah, tell me, how did you I was become so, so confident? I was so extremely shy um, and I was one of this, I think it's like something like 2% of the population that didn't talk. I, did, I just refused. Wow. Not, not a, I would talk to my sister in whispers, but I just wow. refused to talk, even to, to my parents. So my parents would have to go through my sister. Um, I didn't wow. talk until I was in grade one at school. So mm. I was very, very late. I think there was one time where I sang a song at kindergarten but I completely wet myself um, wow. just out of fear. Um, so my parents actually sent me off to get uh, thinking that I was perhaps mute or I had something wrong with my larynx or my hearing, but there was nothing mm-hmm. wrong. I just didn't talk. So, yeah, crazy really. And do you, do you, do you remember that? Yeah, like, do you remember do. And I went your to, thought process? Yeah. Like, do you remember why? Yes, I do. And I went to a therapist and I did some, um, some healing on it through like an, almost like a hypnotherapy, but you're, you're really aware of what you're saying. And what it was, was I didn't feel like I was going to be heard. So I didn't bother. But also I thought everyone was talking a load of shit. <laughs> and I really believe that inside a child there's so much wisdom but they're, 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 yeah. they're spoken to like they're a, a blob of Play-Doh well that was me I could understand I could understand exactly what was going on around me so I didn't understand why I was being spoken to in this stupid way so I just didn't answer yeah wow and so then from one end of the pendulum to the other, because you have to be one of the most, like, confident women that I know, yeah. like, in terms of just, like, your fierceness on stage and, like, you honestly come across as, like, nothing can 
rattle you. And yet I know like you personally, you are just the sweetest, most kind oh, person. So it's not a, it's not, no, you are, but you are, but you are so generous. And like a lot of people probably never know these beautiful things you do behind the scenes for people. Like you just, you honest, and that comes from such a genuine oh, place, thank you. but you don't come. So do you know what I mean? But you've got this fierceness, but you're not callous. It's, oh, I've been on the yeah, but it's end, fascinating so to me. feels like. And, you know, yeah. I, interestingly, I'm actually, in my view right now, is a, an amazing painting. Oh, I love Mandy. As a, a, a thank you for my contribution to women. It's one of my most oh my God. possessed possessions in my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. But, I, you know, I, I often wonder where, where I keep going with that. But I just refuse to let life um, alter me. You know what I mean? And I can be mm. pushed and shoved and hit and, you know, all the rest of it. But I just refuse to be an asshole. I refuse to be nasty. Unless someone, unless I'm really defending myself, I'll be nasty. But you really yeah. have to push me pretty hard or, you know, trigger yeah. me pretty bad. I, I can really go off at men. Um, that's when I can yeah. get really angry. Um. Yeah, but I mean, you know, when I first started in comedy, there were some nasty girls. There, there really was. But I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them, and I've actually become friends with them now. Because wow, you just have to be magnanimous sometimes. I think in life, and just go. Yep. They're coming. They've got a reason for this, and you just say to yourself, yep. "I'm, I love me, and you're not going to affect me. You saying such and such about me." It doesn't affect me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, yeah, water off a duck's back. Back now, I don't care. I, honestly, after twenty-two years as a stand-up comedian, there's not much that you can say to me that would affect me. Because I, <laughs> yeah, your perception of me is not mine. You know what I mean? Mm. You can think that I'm this and this, whatever, but I know it not. It's not true. And that's got to come from you, like, really knowing yourself, exactly. right? Exactly. And really and being clear on who you that's are. That's exactly right, Jenny. It so is. And mm. I'm really enjoying my life now um, because my, my child is well, my, who has suffered for many, many years from mental health illnesses. And he's, yeah. well, he's not my child, he's my adult. I often wonder what's the term mm. for when you've got an adult? Oh, gee. Yeah, I don't know. Your grown loin fruit? I, <laughs> I like that. My grown <laughs> loin fruit. Um, he lives around the corner. He's set up in a gorgeous studio. He's now 30. His brain, your brain changes when you get to between the ages of 25 and 30. Things start to improve. So for anyone out wow. there that is suffering from mental health issues, um, and especially in the schizoaffective sort of range, things do start to improve. Um, and so I'm, oh. I'm off the hook with that amount of worry that I've, I used to go through. So I'm finding I can just yeah. get on with it on stage now. Um, so I've gone off track, haven't I? That must have been – no, 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 this is so wonderful and I'm so glad that you've brought this up because I, I, I was curious. I'm, you know that I am so – invested in this topic yes. but I am always a bit cautious around it because I don't want to um yeah I can't I've got to be quite vague with the details because I feel like the people that I'm talking about aren't quite old enough yet yeah, for sure. me to 
talk, go into details. But um, I, I got his permission many years ago. Yes, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. To talk about it because he thinks it's a really good idea too. And it gives um, yeah. a lot of people, mums that are in the same position, some valuable information. So I've done a few podcasts and I wrote a comedy festival show one year actually. And it was all about that. Did you? About yeah. this? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And interestingly, wow. during, And how was that experience for you? absolutely cathartic. But it was really difficult as well to find the comedy yeah. sometimes. Um, but when you did, it was, it was just like, oh, the relief. So it's really important mm. to be able to find the humour in it. And it might take a while. It might take months afterwards. But yeah. there's a real joy in it. And Nikki Osborne, who I was mentoring for her show, um, uh, Spectrum show, um, she was finding it really difficult with the slack that she was getting because um, it was about her child. And and I I could just honestly remember just sitting with her and crying and just saying, this is your journey and it's all allowed. You have Teddy's permission. It's okay. She was really yep. up against it, whereas I wasn't so much because people weren't so woke then. So I, I got away mm. with doing this show, but I've st- I'm still in touch with some of the women that came to see it. I was going to say, I bet any money at all the impact that that would have on people who are going through that kind of thing would phenomenal. be phenomenal. It was phenomenal, Jenny. Yeah. And there was one show where Abel had gone missing. Just a quick little interruption to let you know that if you're not on the Facebook Funny Mummies group, you must be. It is so hilarious. We've been talking about stupid things that our kids say. I say stupid. I mean endearingly adorable. Uh, it's a few examples. From Rachel, I was pissing off my four-year-old one day, he's now nine, and he told me I was stepping on his life. I have so many people stepping on my life, I can't even tell you. Oh, my goodness. And this from Faye. My then four-year-old walked up to me one day and goes, Mama, I've got to move on. I'm going to get my own place. I asked if I could come with her and she paused for a moment then replied, No, sorry, it's my place, but you can visit. I've just got to move on. (laughs) She's going to be an excellent, excellent teenager. So come and join us on the Funny Mummies group if you haven't already. It's a bucket of fun. Funnymummies.com. Back to the show. Right? Oh, my or God. I call it walkabout where he's, you know, started to perhaps go into psychosis and he just walk, starts walking and he just, you know, mm. he does things where he, he follows song lines or he just sings and where he ends up is where he's meant to be and all this sort of So he'd been missing yep. for about a day. And I put it up on Facebook. I just went, right, the police are, are looking for him, but I don't quite trust them because, you know, the way that they can be with with sufferers. So I put yep. it up on Facebook. And I decided, and Aaron, my manager, said, do you still want to go ahead with the show, Bev? And I said, absolutely. I need to do it. So wow. I put it on Facebook, forgotten about it, got a tram into the city, got up on stage, right? About five minutes before the show was ending, which was all about my journey with Abel, he was found. Yep. <laughs> oh. 
And My it had travelled all around the world in, within 15 minutes of me being on stage. This is what happened. Someone saw oh it my right, God. on Fiona Scott Norman's Facebook because everyone shared it, mm-hmm. who is an American songwriter, <laughs> right? Whoa. They um, said that they knew someone that had been at this festival that Abel had been at, this music festival, and was in a tent next to him and overheard him in his tent saying that he was going to go to French Island. Shut up. Oh, my God. This American person knew this person at this music festival in Australia and that person knew, yeah, crazy, crazy. Jeez Louise, that's insane. insane. Oh, my God. Part of the film, (laughs) you know. So, oh my, I totally I told everyone yeah. on stage that he'd been found. We all hugged. Um, oh. they took me out for a drink. I rang his dad and said, Go get him. Um, yeah, unreal, unreal. That's incredible. Can I ask you, Bev, um, what, what, if you, if anyone's listening to this who's got a kid that's going through like mental health problems and so on, what is as a woman who's like it sounds like in your son's finally in such a good place. What would you want to say to people who aren't there yet? You've just got to keep hanging on for hope. Hope is the biggest answer. Um, there's, you know, just because they're through the other side, because they do and they will, with the right medication and the right treatment, they will come out the other side. And there's times yeah. when you think you'll never get them back again. Well, my, my son's been through 12, maybe even more bouts of psychosis now and the things that they tell you and they, they believe are phenomenal and you don't see them. You don't, where, where is my son, you know? But you've just got to hang on for those meds to start working and kick. And, and we went through lots of different types of medications as well. There, there will be one. But when they're young, yeah. this all happened, started when he was around 17, it's, it, there's a degree of difficulty when they're young because they don't want to be different from anyone else. There's so much stigma around it. So you've just got to keep loving, loving and loving and hoping. So my idea is to be totally informed as much as you can and find a way and find a treatment that suits them. So I was taking him to Ayurvedic um, doctors. Um, I looked into lots of different alternatives um, just so that he felt supported. And also bring your whole family into it. Be honest. This is what's happening. He needs to be visited. If you have a broken arm and you're in a hospital, you visit a person. Don't be afraid of mental illness. And that's when you increase everyone's awareness. And you don't need to speak to them like this. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that unbelievable how that happens? Yeah, I know. And, again, I think it's just a complete lack of awareness yeah. and exposure to these yeah. things. And it, it, it does seem scary. And, I mean, we've come a long way, but there's so oh, much further to go. It's, all, it's the stigma that frightens me. And, and that was one of the reasons why Abel wouldn't get treatment or he wouldn't tell anyone if he, he was feeling fuzzy. Because he was scared of what yeah. people would say. 
that he was crazy, that he was mad, all these awful words, or that he would end up in, ooh, uh, an asylum. You know what I mean? The, yeah, the, yeah. The crazy house. Um, yeah. Because people have in their brains that if you go to a, a mental health institution, that's it. You're, you're there for life. It's like, don't, didn't you know that? It's like, you know, cookie's nest. They're there for life. There's no getting out. Yeah. And the people yeah, just start no, thinking that, that you rock up, you put in a straitjacket and you're a dribbling mess and you have to yeah. have tablets out of a cup, you know, by Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. It's just, it's phenomenal <laughs> what people still believe. Yeah. So I started changing can, all can I ask you? I started just really putting it up there. Um, and, you know, I'd be yeah. invited to join um, a, a short film or a, a comedy sketch or whatever, and it was all based in an asylum and, you know, that it was just crap, right? So I called wow. the writers and the directors and I said, you are absolutely doing nothing for mental health sufferers wow. by doing this. No, I will not be involved. And I would tell anyone that was thinking about it not to either reasons. Wow. And they ended up shutting Good it on down you, and not doing it at all. Wow, that's amazing. And then I'd see so many things on Facebook and I just didn't have the energy. So I just came out, came up with a, um, a hashtag um uh stop stomp out stigma because it was a part of another group that I'd belonged to called the Odd Socks campaign. And we were using that right. as well. So I was an a Victorian advocate for Odd Socks campaign. And it was all about embracing difference. Which is great wow. on paper and whatever, but people still don't implement it. If and I, yeah. I was at a conference one time, right, and it was all about mental health and I was there to do some comedy. And to this, you know, and they, they paid like $120 a plate or something like that, you know, a lot of wealthy people there. Yeah. And I stood on stage and I said, if someone into this room right now and jumped up on the table and believed that they were the Statue of Liberty, you would call security and have them hauled out of here, wouldn't you? And they nodded and I went, well, that's what psychosis looks like. So don't walk yeah. past it. That person needs help other than police. And they went, yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. It's interesting, isn't it? It's... I, I find it really interesting. Oh. Just the amount of people that no, they're not on meth. They're not, you know, they, they're just yeah. having a bit of an episode. They're really strung out. Just, you know, if you've got the nouse and you don't mind and you've got an hour up your sleeve, spend some time with that person. Get them a drink. Get them something to eat. Call the bright. There's all different ways that you can get them help, you know. Yeah. That's it. And also to know that that's not their, like, just I think before I knew much about mental mental health stuff, I think that I would have seen somebody like that on the street, for instance, and thought, oh, that's what they're like all the time. That's right. But not actually realising that's actually not true. That exactly. That's, they're in a bad moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you can you can often tell a mental health sufferer if if they're a bit grubby, I mean, um, because you, you don't look after yourself as well because you're really in your brain yeah. or they don't have shoes on. Um, 
and they're, they're talking out loud to, to themselves mm. because they can hear voices, you know. Mm. Um, so which which looks like a person that is a drug issue. So yeah. it can be difficult to tell. Yeah, that's a tricky but thing. But also you might not have the resilience or the the energy, whereas, you know. Yeah, I, your cup's got to be full to, to do that too. <laughs> to walk past. Yeah, well, because you've got that personal connection to that's it. That's right, yeah. Um, can I ask you, Bev, so just before we've just, I could talk to you forever, and especially about this stuff, my goodness, like I'd love to talk more about this. Sure. Yeah, in the future. Um, but can I just ask quickly, how what what were the most useful things in terms of looking after you when you were in the thick of it with Abel? Um, learning to say no. Learning to say mm. uh, that w- there was one time actually we're in a, a, the same women's group. Um, I was on my own with Abel. Uh, Tony was away. Pepper was away. I was uh, absolutely on my own. And I had this full week of gigs and it was, I just couldn't cope. And what had happened was I'd gone up the street just to do some shopping or something and I stopped and I couldn't move. I actually could not move my body. So I just, at a crawling pace, went home. And I put it up on on our women's group. This is what's happening. I'm just not coping. And um, a few women came over. And they helped feed me, clean my house. And then oh. Hannah Gadsby, bless because she's been through, she knows Abel and she, she some anxiety herself, rang me and she said, I want all the phone numbers of the gigs. So she rang them oh. and said, Bev's not coming. Because she knew wow. that I couldn't say no. I'm, I just yeah. find it really difficult to let people down, blah, blah, blah. So that yeah. is what came out of that particular situation. And I have stopped being that person I will say no if I feel like it's more important for my time and energy to be elsewhere I'll say no to the gig so I'm not running around like an idiot anymore doing five six gigs a week yeah so for the comedy festival this year I'm only doing three solo shows wow because I know that my daughter needs me because she's yep. used to going, you know, she's 15. She needs her mum at home, you know, yep. more, at, at least three nights a week. And I worked that out with my yep. manager now. And he's they're so happy to do that. It's a, a That is have, fantastic, yeah, isn't to, it? To be able to afford, though, to be able to do that is a wonderful thing. Because when you're a broke yep. comedian, you, you don't get to say no. That's right, and you don't want to say no because you don't want then people to stop asking. I know it's true, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So what I do is I every single phone call, every single ask, I put it through my management, and nice. then they'll tell me, and I'll tell them them to say no. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to give an excuse. Setting yourself up. Yeah, you know, that's. I remember hearing this story about um, Oprah was saying how um, Stevie Wonder rang her up because she gets asked obviously to do every charity thing under the sun um but stevie wonder rang her up and asked her to do this event that he was organizing and she was like oh like inside she was thinking oh god like i don't 
that's going to be such a hassle. I have to travel. I have to put this thing together. It's like just inconvenient. And she thought, and she asked herself like, why, why would I be saying yes? And the only reason she could come up with was that she didn't want to let down Stevie Wonder. Of course. <laughs> and she was like, from that point onwards, she was like, that's not a good enough reason. And so she rang him and said, I'm sorry, but no. And he was like, oh, no problem. And like, you know, didn't even bat an eyelid. And, um, and so she was like, now she really checks in on us with herself. And that's and really honestly it. inspired me to go, yes. It's so true, Yes, Jenny. you can feel a gut reaction. Yeah. And this is what we were or doing. Or if you say yes and you feel sick after. How long it's taken for us to get here today with this interview. You do. You need to check in yes. and say, no, today is not a good day. I'm not going to be able to speak properly. Yeah. It's not a good day because I have this stuff going on. And you, what that's I right. find, and then the people who get it get it. That's right. And what I find is the more that I'm true to myself and saying no, or I'm not available, or I don't put together charity events anymore, or I don't wear this hat, or I don't book, and no, I'm not going to recommend you if I haven't seen you. You know all that. The, yeah, it's I've got more time and energy for myself. Yeah. Oh, it's, Bev, it's, you're a freaking legend, it, honey. It, it, all this, it, it, it's part of life's journey, isn't it? To be able to just yeah, say, that's right. no. Especially to the people that have really helped forge your career. But there's no, yeah. you know, you can't sort of look at it like that sometimes. Do you know what I mean? You, you've got to be able, you, yeah. you can't do every gig. It's just impossible. No. No, you can't. And as well, I think it's, I don't know, as women too, I think you can feel so indebted you can. to people, you know, and just instead of going, well, actually, like, yes, they gave me that gig, but I did that gig and That's right. they got me performing as part of that. So, right. you know, it's not just like, oh, gosh, they did me this amazing favour, but now I need to repay, repay And there's repay, a lot repay. of that going on in the industry, isn't there? There's a lot of favours. Yes. But you, if you don't yes. think that that person is quite up to par for a gig don't don't suggest them you don't have to yeah you know um you can do things like i do just send them a nice pair of pants instead (laughs) (laughs) is that why you sent (laughs) is that why you sent me a lovely shirt i just realized that Been, Do you know, I wore that beautiful shirt you gave me. I had new headshots done last week and I wore the beautiful orange shirt you gave me because I love it so and much. Skirt. What, ha- yes. what happened to the skirt? I think the skirt was not oh, quite right. It wasn't no. quite right. So I passed that one yeah. on to another. There's a beautiful, when, you, when you're next in Brisbane, if you have time, we will go <gasps> op shopping together because I'm an absolute op shopping tragic oh, like you. Um, we will have a lot of fun. Do you know how much stuff I've, get, I've decluttered? The whole entire house. I just saw your photos, and if you see my house, you will be like, "Oh gosh, it's like the before right. shot." Because I've got way too much shit that I love, but I need to go make some hard decisions because your photos have... look amazing. Yeah, I know. I have seen. I have friends who have seen how bad I was because they're the only people that I would allow in. Right? Yeah. They are just going. Where is Bev, and what have you done with her? It is. <laughs> What sparked it? I just went, I don't have room for this in my life anymore. And when wow. it got really bad was during um, Rona because yeah, I was filling the void yeah. um, with stuff. But then when, once I actually started to really look at it, I was filling the void with, 
you know, not being able to be out, get out there and being crea- be creative. Yes. So, and there's yeah. something creative in making your house look nice and putting little things. And yeah. I also feel like with op shop, with op shopping, you can kind of justify it because it's not like you're contributing to landfill directly. That's so right. I always go, oh, but I'm saving. I'm not just buying brand new well, shit. That's but another yeah, one it of still can be a I don't problem. Buy retail. I, I, yeah, no retail clause. So, but but then I started doing this right. I started buying baby clothes, like. A weirdo, mm. right, with a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I had something like six up the duff books because someone had given me one when I was pregnant. Right. And so I just yep. had this collection of up the duff books by Kaz Cook, which was my go-to gift. And then I'd send them some baby clothes. But that became two suitcase loads of baby clothes. Oh, wow. So what I had to end up doing, and a few people might have seen the show, I did a show called Crummy Mummy, and at the end I talked about how bad a hoarder I, I am. So I gave the baby clothes away. Oh, nice. And all these women were, like, jumping up and down. I'm going, a triple zero play suit, and they go, me, me, me. And there was a friend of mine, Mary <laughs> King, in the crowd, and she was going, I've just become a grandma. We're like, yay, give her the triple zeros. <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh, my God. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. So, yeah, it's all oh gone, my God. Jenny. Pretty much all Well gone. done. Well done. Well, that can be like the final scene of your um, amazing biopic is clearing out the old and yeah. Yeah, it's been really it tough, settled though. and beautiful. I've I've been quite emotional, mm. but I've done it on my own. No one's helped yeah, me. Yeah, no wow. One's, no one stood there and go and said, "Does this spark joy?" You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have two girlfriends come yourself. over because they wanted to see Peppa, my daughter, before we went out for a drink, and the look of horror on their faces. I think that's what <laughs> really got me going. I didn't wow. realize I was that bad because I'd already started clearing funny? and still that wasn't enough. And I realized just how bad I was. And they stood there at wow. one cabinet and said, you need to lose 50% of that stuff. Gosh. So, yeah, that now I've is, just got to be yeah. careful I don't start again. Yeah, you can do, you it. Can do it. You can do it. Hey, um, so Bev, tell us about your upcoming Melbourne Comedy Fest show. Yes. Uh, how how's the best? What's the easiest way for people to get a hold of you and buy tickets and come see you? Uh, it's called Don't Tell Tony. So you just basically, you, or you could just Google search Bev Killick Comedy Festival, and that it'll come up that way. Or you can go on my page. I've got ticket links there. But Comedy Festival site. Um, if you type in either Bev Killick or Don't Tell Tony. It'll come up. So I'm only doing three shows, 29th of March, 5th of April and the 12th of April. Um, and it's right. in, it's at the town hall. Um, so there's there's limited tickets. So so if you're going to get one. Get in yeah. quick. Do it and now. It, it, it might awesome. possibly tour this show. Because I, I did a trial run during Ooh. the Fringe to nobody. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> a, at home online gig. But I really enjoyed it. Really, That's it terrific. was quite cathartic. It's basically me telling all my crazy stories that my husband no long, longer wants to know about. 
it's like <laughs> I start to tell him, and he's like, no, 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 don't want to know. Don't want to hear that one. Don't want to hear them. And it's just a bit of a, it's a journey with about me and my husband. Um, we've been together 22 years. As long as I've been a stand-up, I've known him. Um, wow. And it's just about that journey of that I still get out there and party like an animal, have the most outrageous situations happen, but I just don't tell him anymore. So this is all the stuff. <laughs> this is the stuff that he doesn't know about. Oh, my God. And you have God. to swear, um, to solemnly swear, that you do not tell Tony. <laughs> and if you see this guy, you don't you don't say anything. It's shh, you stum. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I will put a link. I'll put a, I'll find the direct booking link and I'll pop that in the show oh, notes too so that people fabulous. can directly get there. So I'm going to give you our quick rapid fire Ooh, last yes. questions okay. before I let you go. Okay, Bev, if you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, who would you choose? Joan Rivers. Oh, did you see her doco? Yes. And I, How good is her it? her book, uh, Anti Talking, is what really helped me as a stand-up. When you see me on stage, what do I do, Jenny, when I first come on? Uh, I feel like you just, like, fucking own the stage. I start dancing, like, I start of... moving, I start going, oh, my yeah. God, i got to be here! Uh, whatever. And I got that yep. from her. It's like you're on as soon as you, you know, and just about, yeah. you know, she started late in life as well. I, I absolutely adore Joan Rivers. So, yeah. Yes, oh, fantastic. Okay, well, that's I'll inspired me. Brisket. I'll make I some brisket. <laughs> brisket in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, what's the best comeback that you've ever had? From me? me yeah. Like, a, oh. or even. Okay. So I said, um, I said to the audience, so who does housework? And a few people, who likes doing housework? And a few people went, no, nah, not really. And this, and I said, and this guy puts his hand up. This was at the comedy club. I don't do housework. I said, oh, why not? And he said, no shit, because I'm the breadwinner. Oof. And the whole crowd went, ooh, like this, right? And I said, well, mm-hmm. darling, I'm here to tell you that us girls are off carbohydrates, so you can stick your bread <laughs> up your fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that is solid as. And I use that in my routine now, oh. routine. Within a routine. Oh my god, that is fantastic! And it's, it's um, great. What's the best advice like, you've ever received? You've got, you've got one like that. It just comes and it's like, oh my god, oh. my brain works. Yes, that's magical, and especially when it's deserved. Yeah, that's just the magic, the magic combo. Um, what's the best advice that you've ever received from Deborah Byrne? We're very, very close friends, and. Um, I split up with someone one time and she said to me, you don't go back because there was, a, where mm. there was, there was some abuse. And she said, you yeah. don't go back because I was thinking about maybe patching it and maybe, yeah. you know, being in a relationship with them again. And she goes three words, don't go back. Wow. Once you've had that happen wow. to you, you don't go back. Isn't that great? Yep. Yep. That is freaking great. It's like a mantra to me. Yep. 
Um, what's the worst advice you've ever received? Um, that I should probably look at being a florist or a chef, and that um, <laughs> probably not for me. I have. I have to say, if you were a florist, I think you would be the most entertaining bloody florist <laughs> on the planet. How many pricks do you want on this rose? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> say it with flowers and make up a big fuck you made out of flowers. That would be my... Say it with flowers. Fuck you. Um, yeah, then I probably shouldn't be a comedian because it's just not, you know, ladies don't do that. Mm-hmm. No, it's not for the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and finally, my beautiful friend, Bev Killick, you are such a gem and thank you so much. What would you like to have written on your tombstone? Uh, chronic op shopper. No, I'm joking. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Recovered chronic op shopper. You know what? I don't even know. Hold on. Let me think. Um... Oh, God. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Can you think of one for me? She entered talking. Yes! <laughs> and fucking smashed That's it. it. That's it. <laughs> You're welcome. How ridiculous was that? Oh, my God. My boobs are still pulsing and my head's blown. My head's blown? My mind's blown. I don't think it's good to say that your head blew got blown is it i don't know anyway stop overthinking jenny uh thank you so much for joining me on the podcast please do make sure that you jump on there and get bev's tickets if you're listening from melbourne uh and if not just go and follow her on the socials and um stay tuned because she is just such a firecracker of a lady i love her as always find me on the socials at jenny winter or it's at jen winter on instagram and it's winter with a y w y n t r y because it can never gets old never gets old in fact i say that to myself every night just as i go to sleep just to remind myself you're not getting old either baby so uh wonderful to have you please share this episode if you like the podcast please do me a huge solid do me a huge solid that requires no toilet paper and no cleaning up and just share it with some people who could use a bit more funny mummy joy in their life. Thank you so much. Lots of love. Lemon drops. Lots of, I can't speak English good no more. Bye. With Jenny Winter. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.